Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and I'm excited about what I think may be the next big thing in anti-inflammatory supplements, a brand new all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health Liquid Extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Black for Health combines four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, and black peppercorn containing high levels of body-ready healing botanicals. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, and weight management, circulation, and immunity. It's a tasty supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information or to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture. Farm, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and I'm very excited to have an opportunity to share with you some really exciting information about eye health uh, with Dr. Ridrani Bannock. Uh, she is a... Uh, integrative ophthalmologist, uh, having been trained in conventional ophthalmology and neuro-ophthalmology, uh, but she's also received specialized training in functional medicine, so she incorporates uh, kind of a balanced approach looking at uh, a wide variety of eye problems, uh, including uh, not just things that relate to vision, but also migraines. So what what's the connection? Why is it that as an ophthalmologist, uh, you get to try to help people with migraines? Oh, well, um, thank you for asking that, because... Uh you know, that the reality is in my practice, because I'm, I'm an ophthalmologist, but I'm also a neuro-ophthalmologist, so I, I kind of bridge the two fields of ophthalmology and neurology, um, I see quite a few patients with eye pain or headaches or visual disturbances. And in many of these situations, the diagnosis ends up being migraine. Um, so the reason is because, um, that, you know, why, why people have eye-related symptoms when it comes to migraine is because the nerve that is responsible or that we believe is responsible for migraines is called the trigeminal nerve. And it's, uh, it's a nerve that comes directly from deep within the brain. It has many different functions. It goes to the surface of our brain. It goes to our scalp. It goes to our face, our sinuses, our teeth, and the eye socket. And when this nerve gets irritated, it causes pain, uh, but it causes these manifestations that have to do with vision. Um, then there are some other nerves also that can get involved in migraine that can cause visual issues. So uh, rarely people can get migraines with um, changes in their eyelid, for example, a droopy eyelid uh, associated with migraine or even uh, double vision associated with migraine or the most common condition, which is this like flashing lights that people get, which yep. is called aura. Mm-hmm. visual aura, A-U-R-A, and that's also a very common uh, manifestation of migraine. So, uh, yeah, that that's the connection there. And is there uh, nutritional support for that? Are things uh, like magnesium helpful? Should people avoid uh, caffeine? You know, what are, mm-hmm. are there interventions yep. that can make it Yeah, difference? you're right on spot right there. That's perfect. So, so um, many times um, uh, pa- patients who suffer from migraine, yes, they're treated with pharmacologic agents, but um, my kind of approach is to, uh, to do a root cause analysis to try to figure out where it's coming from, uh, especially with chronic headaches and migraines, and then to address them. And what I found over, over the years is that many people oftentimes have uh, dietary-related migraines. So whether they're, they're 
they're sensitive to specific foods that are triggering their migraines. Sometimes it's nitrites or nitrates or sulfites or histamines that are t- causing their migraines. Mm-hmm. But many people also may have nutritional deficiencies uh, or, or kind of like sub subclinical deficiencies that may be affecting their migraines. So there's been a lot of work done with magnesium. And I'm glad you brought that up because magnesium um, is a wonderful adjunctive therapy for migraine. Uh, and we think that, um, you know, there's a magnesium deficiency that affects the brain. It becomes, it's, this trigeminal nerve becomes very irritable um, because it's, it's, it's uh, deficient in magnesium. So uh, there are a couple of ways to do magnesium. Um, some doctors, in, in cases of severe migraine, they'll do it IV in the, mm-hmm. in the office. Yep, uh, that's certainly an option, uh, maybe once a month in uh, an IV magnesium um, infusion. The other option is I actually like uh, oral magnesium uh, as a prophylactic. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there are different types of magnesium. And so there's the, there are the salts, which are the commonly found ones over the counter. So ox, oxide, citrate, malate, so forth, sulfate. Uh, but the chelated forms, for example, uh, glycinate or L-threonate, um, perhaps uh, because they're chelated to an amino acid, they may have better brain penetration. So if you're going to do a magnesium supplement for migraine, choose one that's a chelated form. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, there's a lot of talk these days about the effects of uh, light, uh, in particular blue light, which there's sort of a duality about it, you know, good, bad, what's the deal? Yeah, no, I'm so glad you brought that up because there's a lot of controversy about blue light. And um, and so, you know, we were talking earlier about screens and screen time. So blue light is in the visible spectrum. Um, it's within 400, if you want to get a little technical about it, it's between 400 to 500 nanometers in length. And um, most of our devices emit blue light in the range of, uh, let's say, 460 to 475. So uh, not the shorter wavelengths, which potentially may damage our eyes, but slightly longer wavelengths. So as far as we know, there is no evidence to support the fact, or not the fact, but the claim that uh, blue light will damage our retinas and make us go blind. It was actually an alarmist headline that came out in 2018 where um, some researchers um, from the University of Toledo, they took some cells, put them in a Petri dish, exposed them to high levels of blue light, and lo and behold, those <laughs> right. cells died. Right. And they said, oh, blue light's going to kill off your retinas, and we're all going to go blind because of this blue light. The right. truth of the matter is that those cells that those investigators took, they weren't eye cells at all. They were not retinal cells. They took cervical cancer cells, Ooh. put them in a Petri dish, hmm. and blue light killed off those cells. So what is, what's the take-home message? Is, Maybe use, blue light. Yeah. Take a, you know, <laughs> use blue light on your cervical cancer. You know. There you go. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. That was my take-home. But anyway, so... So well, the media picked up on this. I don't think there's a computer say, oh. screen that's properly configured for that yet. Maybe they'll exactly. come up with an app for that. Is there an app for that? I'm not sure. Not yet, but okay. <laughs> but um, so so with blue light, you know, we we do get a lot of various um, types of blue light. Uh, yes, we get it from screens, but we also the, the the largest source of blue light in our lives is actually the sun, mm-hmm. and the sun gives off blue light for a reason. Um, you know, it's part of the spectrum, but we, our bodies need that blue light to help regulate our, our sleep-wake patterns, so our circadian mm, rhythm. So okay. you're alluding to this before that some blue light is good, but not all of it is so, good. So, so we want that blue light in our, say, our SAD lights if we're treating seasonal affective disorder, right? Absolutely. It's like, a, it's like the wake-up yes. call in the morning that you yes. know, we who live in urban environments, you know, where you know buildings surround us, and you know, it takes a while before the sun ascends into the sky. Even you know, in this time of year, it's not very bright anyway. We don't get a lot of it, so we use the uh, SAD lights. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's been blue light's been used for therapeutic reasons. Um, but but you know with when an antidepressant effect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And when we're exposed to that blue light in the morning, it tells our bodies, okay, it's time to wake up. So, um, you know, it, it, the blue light actually stimulates cells in our retina called melanopsin cells, and those melanopsin cells directly connect with the pineal gland, which is the regulator of circadian rhythm. But what happens is, um, you know, as the sun, you know, traverses its course in the sky, uh, the level of blue light changes that it emits. And actually, by the time it's setting, it's hardly emitting any blue light at all. Mm -hmm. And so basically, it's telling our bodies, okay, it's time to wind down, you know, it's, you know, it's going to be evening time, nighttime, soon time to go to sleep. So, um, so that natural blue light cycle gets disrupted when we're indoors, when we're exposed to all this blue light from screens. Um, even other uh, lighting sources have blue light. So, for example, it's mm. not just screens, but CFL lights are um, pretty, they emit a pretty significant Compact amount fluorescent of light. lights. The, one, the lights that they tell us are more energy efficient and they've told exactly. us to you know, get rid of all our you know, incandescent light bulbs because it's bad for the environment. So yeah, so so it's kind of like a you know double-edged sword because on one hand you want to help the environment, but then on the other hand, uh, it could be really impacting your your sleep pattern and your sleep hygiene uh, because if uh, studies have shown that people who are exposed to blue light, uh, high levels of screen screen induced blue light uh, two hours before bedtime have a much harder time falling asleep mm -hmm. and staying asleep, mm -hmm. and so um, so you know my general recommendation is. Um, you know, yes, we're all glued to our screens day and you know, day and night. But um, perhaps in the evening time, uh, try to apply a blue light filter to your screen. If you're mm -hmm. on a device or a phone or a computer, there are downloadable filters. Yeah, uh, the and, one and that most uh, Apple devices now have that uh, setting. You know, I'm actually going to it right now on my iPad, which is uh, display and brightness. There's uh, a night shift that you can set up. And I, I, I create the night shift at, you know, 10 p.m. to 5 a.m., uh, so mm -hmm. that it, and it, it, it changes the way things look. I mean, they, you know, it kind of it looks like the screen's a little more yellow, orangey kind of looking. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, it creates like a okay. little, uh, that's okay. sepia kind of a hue to your, to yes. your screen. But, yes. um, it definitely, it, it definitely relaxes your eyes. I mean, I don't know when, if you turn it on, you can, you can see. And it's not, um, it, most devices now have it. So not just Apple devices, but yeah. most other devices have some form of the night shift mode. Uh, but, in addition to that, so the night shift mode can only take out up to a certain level of wavelength. I don't know the exact numbers, but um, because Apple is not <laughs> has not really divulged all of that, but mm -hmm. uh, but there's an, a couple of other apps that you can download. So um, so for example, if your eyes are feeling very sensitive to to the light from the screen, um, you can go ahead and you can turn on those apps even during the day. So one that I really like is called um, IrisTech.co. Iris Tech, uh, I-R-I-S-T-E-C-H? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. IrisTech.co. Uh, it's a free down, um, it's a free trial. So I think it's about a two week free trial and then you can purchase it. It's, uh, it's really, it's not very expensive at all. It's, um, very manageable. And, um, and then, you know, you can put it on your device. And so it actually, it has nine different settings. Mm -hmm. And then there were three other common, so, three other extra additional um, combinations. So you can have potentially 27 different settings mm -hmm. for uh, screen filters. So depending on where you are, whether you're in bright sunlight or whether it's, you know, late into the night or you're in, you want to watch a movie and not be bothered by, you know, some of the wavelengths, you can play around with it. So it's a wonderful app. I highly recommend it. Um, the other option is to do blue blockers. So, uh, you know, glasses. I get this question. Yeah, glasses. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Blue blocking glasses. Um, there are, you know, 
hundreds of manufacturers out there now, you know, selling which these are, Which are actually, glasses. it's a misnomer because they're actually yellow in color, aren't they? They're amber colored glasses. Yeah, so there's a range. Some of them actually are clear, but some of them, the more the more blue light it blocks, the darker it will get. So mm -hmm. uh, some will be yellow, some will be kind of an amber orange, and some will be red. Mm -hmm. So if you truly, so so it's very interesting. So you know, I tried to look up a couple, you know, a few years ago. I was very curious about these blue blockers, and I was like, you know, has there ever been any research done on if they really do what they claim to do? So Consumer Reports did a, a very small study in 2016. So they took the top three. Uh, blue blocking glasses on the market and they tested them to see whether they actually blocked the blue light or not and what they found was that there was only one brand that blocked over 95 percent of the blue light mm. the other two br brands only blocked about 30 or 40 percent mm. uh, granted that was about four five years four years ago mm -hmm. so perhaps things have changed but just you know if you're going to get blue blockers make sure you get it from a reputable manufacturer and perhaps ask them you know how much blue light is this really blocking I wanted to also talk about some of the research you're now doing on a kind of a perplexing condition because there's no real cure for this condition and it's devastating because it causes vision loss and blindness. Uh, it's called NAON. Can you tell us what that is? Sure. So, um, so NAION is uh, the short version of non-arteritic anterior ischemic optic neuropathy. Now, that's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. So that's why we always abbreviate it. I mean, and people have heard of glaucoma, macular degeneration, you know, okay, we got it. Yeah. But this yeah, is yeah. this actually a it's a fairly prevalent condition. It's not rare. It's just not as common as these other conditions. But it's Correct. devastating. Yeah, it is devastating. So what it is um, is basically it's a stroke of the optic nerve. So it's not a stroke in the brain. It's not a stroke in the retina. But the actual optic nerve doesn't get enough oxygen and it begins to swell, and people lose their peripheral vision. And um, unfortunately, there have been no really effective treatments. I mean, people have tried, you know, there are researchers who've tried all kinds of different uh, medications, um, steroids, surgeries even. Um, and unfortunately, nothing has really worked to reverse the vision loss from this devastating condition. So one of the studies that I'm doing, I've done a couple of studies with in, in terms of um, NAION. Um, but this current study that I'm doing is using, it's a very interesting kind of uh, uh, project. We're using a botanical agent, and this botanical agent uh, is actually the gum from the mastic tree. Mm -hmm. Well, you can use, use for H. pylori. That's what, you know, yes. it's, it's sold in a lot of formulas that people use for H. pylori, you know, it's the bug that causes stomach ulcers, so it's mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So this, this, um, you know, botanical, this mastic gum has been around for millennia. I mean, it even dates back to ancient Greece and Rome. And, you know, it was really a commodity back then. People would used to die actually for this, this medicinal herb or, or sorry, medicinal product. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so they began using it for GI issues. But then what they found was that, um, and I don't know how they came about this, but they used it in a, in a rodent model of an, of an optic nerve stroke. And they found that it actually helped to regenerate nerve axons, which was really mind-boggling because up, you know, up until recently in neurology and ophthalmology, we always thought that once you damage a nerve in the brain mm -hmm. or in the eye, you can't grow it back. But, um, but you know, this research suggested that perhaps we can regenerate these optic nerves, which has tremendous implications, not just for optic nerve stroke or NAION, but for glaucoma, glaucoma yeah. for mm -hmm. macular degeneration, mm -hmm. for even brain issues. So Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, neurodegenerative diseases of all kinds. So um, if this works, it's going to be really, you know, um, 
groundbreaking in terms of, of recovering uh, neuronal function uh, in so many conditions. So, so basically what we're doing is um, this is a multi-centered clinical trial that I'm part of. Um, and uh, we have 14 centers in the U.S., and it's FDA approved and sorry, it's FDA monitored. It's not mm -hmm. FDA approved yet, yeah. but um, but what we're doing is um, we are giving uh, our patients subcutaneous injections of this mastic. Uh, so it has to be uh, so, so the traditional. So yeah, uh, right. Yeah, the traditional formulation is um, oral uh, or gum, uh, actual gum, but um, but this is a subcutaneous injection, and uh, and we're seeing if people may regain vision. So. You know, we're we're right about kind of halfway through in terms of our study, so the results have not yet been um, analyzed, or you know, we don't know yet whether it works or not. And it's a double-blind study, so the the patients who are enrolled, we don't know what they're getting, whether they're getting a true study drug or placebo. And I also don't know, uh, you know, who's getting what, and um, and we'll see. You know, it's it's a very kind of interesting concept. Um, we're not exactly sure how it may work, but again, if it works, it's going to be really groundbreaking for, uh, for many people who are suffering from vision loss and brain issues as well. So. What about uh, traditional conditions like uh, macular degeneration? You know, there's this, uh, uh, the early work of Dr. Craig Newsom, uh, or is it uh, mm -hmm. David Newsom? I'm sorry. I, I think it's Craig Newsom. Uh, mm -hmm. Louisiana State University. This is done in the 1980s, and it was exciting for me because this is the beginning of my uh, radio career. Uh, and I had Dr. Newsom on on my program when his you know zinc study came out. Mm -hmm. uh, and we saw it develop into the arid study, which looked at other plausible antioxidants along with DHA from fish oil. So you know, what's your take? Uh, or is is, is that the be-all and end-all of uh, macular degeneration pre uh, prevention, or are there more components? Well, so we're actually at the tip of the iceberg when it comes to prevention of macular degeneration with some of these interventions. So um, so I'll just first explain that macular degeneration um, occurs um, because initially there are some lipid deposits that develop in the back of the eye underneath the retina. And then what happens is these lipid deposits uh, begin to um, grow and uh, there's kind of like a mineral um, kind of a, a coating that they get. They get a hydroxyapatite coating and then there's inflammation. So the root cause of macular degeneration is number one, these lipid deposits that can't be cleared by the eye because perhaps there's just too much oxidative stress going on. And then secondarily, there's inflammation. So the, you know, the goal of prevention is really to address all of those issues. Um, number one, to try to prevent those lipid deposits from forming. And we believe that, um, uh, that there are certain types of foods that are rich in, uh, some, some uh, nutrients that people may not have heard of, which are really, really important for eye health. So these nutrients include lutein and zeaxanthin and mesozeaxanthin. Uh, so again, these are not common vitamins that most people hear about. It's not like vitamin A, C, D, E that many people think about when it comes to macular degeneration, but these are very, very specific. What they are, they're, they're carotenoids. So they're pigmented molecules and they're potent antioxidants. And so what they do is they protect the retina against oxidative stress, against blue light damage, against inflammation. And um, the best source of these nutrients is really our diet. So it comes, it all comes back to what we're eating, um, you know, to try to promote or, or preserve our vision. So, um, there, so there are specific foods that are rich in lutein. 
Um, so they tend to be the green leafy vegetables. So even though they're not yellow, um, the green kind of masks the yellow color, but, but they are very rich in, in these xanthophyll carotenoids. So spinach, kale, um, Swiss, Swiss chard, mustard greens, uh, uh, even, um, even, uh, non-green, uh, vegetables. For example, um, peppers, for example, yellow peppers or orange peppers. And uh, one food which is not plant-based, but it's also very rich in lutein, is egg yolk. So I know a lot of people probably, you know, steer clear of egg yolk because they have, they're concerned about cholesterol. But right. here's a situation where... You're missing out you know, on that, yeah. Yeah, where, you know, perhaps you have a family history of macular degeneration, or perhaps you've been told, you know, you've been diagnosed with an early stage of it. Here's a situation where perhaps having egg yolk maybe two or three times a week can be tremendously beneficial for your eye health. Um and then there, there are uh, mentioned lutein. So zeaxanthin is a is a cousin to lutein, and zeaxanthin is more orange in pigment. So all of the orange vegetables and um, uh, you know uh, uh, some some fruits that are orange as well. But for example, um, squash, pumpkins, yams. These are all wonderful sources of zeaxanthin. And then um, then there are some other uh, important things to think about in terms of nutrition for prevention of macular degeneration, and that is omega three uh, fatty acids. So uh, omega-3s are um, long-chain fatty acids. They're, they're considered healthy fats. And, um, and the reason why they're so important is because our retina, the, the cells within our retinas that actually capture light signals are called photoreceptors. And they are, have a very high metabolic rate. They're constantly turning over. They're constantly replenishing their cell membranes um, at an incredible rate. And their cell membranes are made out of DHA, which is type of omega-3. Mm -hmm. So the highest, this is crazy to think of, you know, about this, but the highest level of DHA in the body is in our retina. Mm. Um, so it's really fascinating. Um, so make sure that you have a really, really rich supply of omega-3s in your diet, um, preferably from foods, but, um, you know, in some cases it's necessary to supplement as well. So... So these are just some of the um, kind of nutritional interventions that um, that one can do for prevention of macular degeneration. Um, I do want to also just mention that I'm writing a book on an integrative approach to macular degeneration. Oh, and mm -hmm. uh, in the book, I'll be talking about, you know, the, the ideal kind of diet, you know, what should one have in, in, uh, his, in one's diet to, to provide all these wonderful nutrients, antioxidants and so forth, um, as well as some of the lifestyle issues. And you had mentioned before, I think, smoking. Uh, in terms of cataracts, but we also know that people who smoke have a much higher risk of macular degeneration. So, and then that kind of you can extrapolate that beyond cigarette smoke. Um, it may also um, uh, have something to do. You know, uh, another risk factor may be uh, fumes from cooking or perhaps even uh, barbecue fumes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there there are other toxins in our environment that really we may not think of, but perhaps we should think about these things as well. It's, it's like the old song: "Smoke gets in your eyes." Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's an old ditty from the 1930s, I think, 1920s. Um, just with the remaining time we have, and we're a little a little close to when we have to sign off, um, glaucoma is thought to be strictly a, a like a plumbing problem, a pressure disease. Uh, you know, you take drops to lower pressure uh, or you literally punch holes in the eye to allow the fluid to circulate because, you know, the intraocular pressure is high. But I think uh, a newer understanding of glaucoma, a little more subtle, is that there's oxidative processes going on there, inflammatory processes, and that opens up the possibility for nutritional intervention, doesn't it? Yes, yes. So um, 
So glaucoma is multifactorial. Um, there definitely is um, a genetic component to it. Uh, if one has a family history, um, then probably more, much more likely to have glaucoma. So there's that. But then there's the epigenetics of it. You know, what else is going on? What are the sources of oxidative stress? And so, uh, you know, it's believed that one of the reasons why pressure is an issue in glaucoma, eye pressure is an issue, not blood pressure, but eye pressure um, is an issue in glaucoma is because, um, you know, there the normal mechanisms whereby fluid would drain out of the eye become damaged and they just don't function as well. Uh, so you have this dysfunctional plumbing system, if you will, you know, a, you know the similar and similar analogy to what you were alluding to before. Um, and then, um, again, uh, oxidative stress. So there are nutrients, perhaps, that may uh, protect our drainage system within our eyes and prevent damage from glaucoma. The other interesting area of research that's um, kind of just we're on, just on the forefront of it in terms of nutrition is our, our mitochondrial health. Um, and so the optic nerve is very reliant on its mitochondria for good function. And it has a very high metabolic rate. It's constantly, you know, churning out uh, electrical signals, um, transmitting them to the brain. So, um, so we really need to support our mitochondrial health. And, you know, what that means is basically supporting AP, ATP production in the form of uh, B vitamins, some cofactors, um, for example, and, and then some minerals. So zinc, uh, selenium, copper, these are all very, very important. Uh, and I think over time, we're going to, again, learn uh, what these specifics are in terms of what do we need to protect our eyes from glaucoma. Indeed. And there may be a role for, uh, you know, specific nutrients like coenzyme Q10 or ubiquinol or NAD, mm -hmm. uh, nicotinamide riboside, things that are sound promising. Uh, for mm -hmm. mitochondrial support. Well, there's just so much to tackle uh, in this realm. It seems uh, ultra-focused, uh, if I can inadvertently pun, when mm -hmm. you talk about eye problems, but it really comprises so much of, uh, you know, the overall health picture of a person, and uh, you embody that in your practice. Uh, can you share with our listeners, uh, you know, once again, your, your website and uh, also just details of your practice? You see patients in Manhattan, I believe on the Upper East Side, uh, and uh, you're also an attending physician at New York Eye and Ear Infirmary, where you see patients there as well. Yes, yeah. So, um, so my website is uh, my full name, which is www.rudranibanikmd.com. Um, and through my website, you know, if, if uh, anyone has any specific questions about their own eye health or that of a friend or family member, um, I do offer um, complimentary 10-minute telephone consultations just to kind of. Uh, you know, find out so I can find out a little bit about what your concerns are, and then perhaps I can guide you in the right direction. And if anyone is interested, um, I do see patients. The best way to to really get a complete evaluation is obviously an in person consult. Um, and so I do have my office on the Upper East Side, uh, located in Manhattan on uh, Fifth Avenue and Seventy Sixth Street. And then um, I also do a lot of teaching, and my research is all at the hospital. So um, I'm very active also at New York Eye and Ear Infirmary, uh, which is part of Mount Sinai. And uh, and I'm also uh, pretty active on social media, so I invite any of your listeners who yeah. are interested in eye health follow to Facebook. follow me, mm -hmm, Facebook or Instagram. So uh, please, uh, please seek me out. Indeed. And we look very much forward to your book on macular degeneration. When is that projected to be released? Uh, so I'm, I'm getting close. I'm working with my publishers. So I hope in March of 2020. Um, right. we'll, so 
We'll get you back. Just uh, around the so corner. We'll get you back when that book is out to focus specifically on that. Uh, great stuff. Thank you so much, Dr. Bannock, and uh, congratulations on, uh, you know, a career uh, orientation that I think uh, is really going to bring help to a lot of people. I think you're on the well, right track. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our discussion. My pleasure. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.